1: Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, the podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout.
0: Hey, friends! Rose here with the traffic and weather. Looks like almost everyone's still dead, so traffic's at a standstill.
1: Thanks, Rose. Welcome back, everybody. This is Tom or Robots, and this is, of course, the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to 2023. We are entering into, can you believe it, the fifth year of this podcast? We are beginning the fifth year of this podcast this week, I believe. So, welcome back. We've got got—we've still got a ton of stuff to talk about, including... More stuff having to do with Fallout 76, and I teased this a little while back, and I was like, you know what? I need to get back to talking about Fallout 76 stuff, and the game has never been in a better state. Everyone is absolutely loving the Nuka-Cola edition, and I figured, you know what? It's time. There are things that I've covered about Fallout 76, so if you are new to Fallout 76, if you're new to the podcast... If you are interested in those topics, go back through the catalog of stuff there. There are definitely episodes I've done describing the events before the vault opens uh, some of the characters and those kinds of things. But there's a lot of stuff I haven't covered yet, and I figured now's the time to do it. So in today's episode, we're taking on what I think is an interesting conundrum. We have. A character named Rose. Everybody knows Rose, the little clip at the beginning. Rose, the the raider bot up on the top of the world who gives you some quests to go do. Rose has been a part of this game since the original release. She was one of the only NPCs that you could actually talk to, even though she wasn't human. You could talk to her and she would give you quests and those kinds of things. One of the few actual, like, conversational kinds of characters that you would interact with. Now, you've probably noticed that as you interact with her and go on her quests and things, you begin to learn a little bit more about her history and where she comes from. And she fills in some of the blanks for what was going on with the raiders that caused the flood, the Christmas Day flood. A lot of the uh, terrible events that happened back before the vault opened that leave Appalachia in the state it's in with um, areas that are clearly decimated by... Water, um, the the dam being reduced and not having water in it, things like that. But the conundrum here has to do with her personality. And I want to explore this a little bit. There's a, a, a dilemma here, I've, I've found. Rose, her personality is based off of a real person, Rosalind Jeffries. Rosalind Jeffries was the second in command and lover or girlfriend or other (laughs) of David Thorpe. So you can see that the name Rose is short for Rosalind and her personality and her voice are identical. In fact, it seems like she has some of the memories of Rosalind, but how did this happen? That's the puzzle. And I'm gonna go explain the background on this in order for you to understand why that's a puzzle. So in order to do so, we have to go back to the formation of this raider group, back to when the bombs dropped. And when the bombs dropped, David Thorpe and Rosalind Jeffries were at a ski lodge together. David Thorpe's family did not know this. David Thorpe has or had a wife and children. He was cheating on them. With Rosalyn, as the powerful CEO of Arctos Pharma Company, he felt like he could get away with whatever he wanted. He was one of those types of CEOs, the kinds that feel like the rules don't apply to them, and they can do whatever they need to. We've had a number of examples of those in the real world, right? So David and Rosalyn head up the mountain to the ski lodge, and little do they know that this is the moment... The Great War will break out. The bombs drop everywhere. And David is heartbroken, even though he was planning to divorce his wife, leave his family so that he could spend the rest of his days with Rosalind, or at least until he got bored of her, I guess. But there was still love for his wife. I mean, maybe he didn't want to be with her. Long term, maybe he had plans to leave her, but there's part of him that still loved his family, and this tore him apart. This also then bonded David and Rosalind together more strongly because she was there with him. You have to imagine what the situation was like. There's a group of people up at these ski lodges up on top of the mountains, and the war happens, and very shortly they get a lack of information from the rest of the world. Can you imagine up on the top of this mountain? They probably could see the tops of some of the mushroom clouds from even States away. If you've been up on top of the Appalachian mountains before, there are places where you can go and they will say, you can see seven different States from here like that, that kind of stuff. So they see the bombs explode at distance. They see the war unfolding and then they see that there is a lack of information coming. There's a reduction in the television, in the news that's going on in the radio information. And then all of a sudden they're cut off from the rest of the world up on top of these mountains. And this is the formation of some of those Raider groups, including the Raider group that David would end up leading in the future. <laughs> They were called the cutthroats, and he wasn't the original leader, but because he was such a cutthroat, he was able to take control of that. And he wouldn't have gotten to that place in his life if it wasn't for Rosalind, who was there, to help him through the emotional turmoil of losing his family. Now, put a pin in that. David Thorpe, although he's a cutthroat, and he's a non-empathetic, and he may be insane kind of CEO was emotionally vulnerable to losing people he cares about. So that's that's something we need to hold on to here. And so things play out up at the top of the world because these groups of individuals, these well-to-do People, which is uh, I, I, I really like this detail about Fallout 76 because so much of the time when we think about raider groups, we look at their hairstyles and their tattoos and the fact that they are they they feel like really violent working class people. You could put it that way. They've got this blue collar vibe. They're going to you know piece together whatever vehicles or contraptions they're going to use. They're they're handy with their hands in multiple ways, you know, for smashing skulls, but also for building barricades and doing, like, they've got this, like, blue-collar worker kind of vibe. They typically speak in ways that tend to be more, like, common people and less like the elite, right? This is typically the vibe of Raiders. The group at the top of the mountains, the Cutthroats, were mostly made up of people who were wealthy enough to go on ski trips by the time of the Great War. So people like David Thorpe, a CEO of a company, and Rosalind, who, and we get to hear her speak. In fact, she sounds like this. Mm, nah, David's gonna come for me. And when he gets here, ooh, he's gonna be mad. He'll kill every last one of you if he has to. So here's how it's gonna be. You're gonna let me walk right out of this cell. You'll send me off with a big bag of Christmas goodies to take home to my David. And maybe we'll forget any of this ever happened. Now that line is Rosalind. That's not Rose Later on, we know that Rose takes on her voice and her personality, and you can tell it's filtered through like a robotic kind of uh, signal chain or whatever. But Rosalind sounds obviously very similar, but she spe- she doesn't speak like an elite. She speaks like a regular person. Now, let's listen to David Thorpe. <laughs> okay, I get it. You're not a robot. I know you don't like it when I order you around like that. You're my darling Rose. I just don't want anything bad to happen to you. He doesn't have the same kind of accent. He doesn't have, obviously, it doesn't sound like the elite, you know, <laughs> like, like that, but not a stereotypical thing. But he also, he's not using slang. He's not, there's certain kinds of speech patterns that, that don't show up in his speech, which I think is interesting. So David and Rosalind, are together on the top of this mountain with a group of people who are now forming raider groups and they are desperate. And Rosalind brings David back from the brink of this deep depression in order to now lead the group. He takes over control of the cutthroats. It was originally run by a man named Harlan McClintock, but Harlan was kind of a soft guy in David's view of things. He, um, he didn't have what it takes to really push situations when they needed to happen. Or at least that's the perspective I would have of him from David's point of view, because David Thorpe was willing to do anything that he needed to do in order to make things to happen. And Harlan just didn't have that same kind of personality. In fact, we learn that the savagery of people like David Thorpe are part of what led to him not fulfilling the role very well because he had a conscience. <laughs> it got to him and eventually he wasn't willing to put up with David anymore. So he and his wife Margie leave and create another group called the Diehards. The diehards might be familiar to you because of the raider group that showed up in the Raiders and Settlers expansion. Meg is the leader of that raider group. Meg was part of the diehards. The diehards had a much softer philosophy about how they handled things than the rest of the raider groups. The cutthroats, now led by David and Rosalyn, were much more extreme. They were willing to do anything. In fact... They were so willing to do anything that this leads to the Christmas Day flood, because what happens and you can hear it in Rosalind Jeffrey's uh, text, like uh, the, the quote that I that I posted is that Rosalind gets captured. In fact, the story goes basically that some responders head up the mountain in order to try to help out with the people up there, but quickly find out that that's not a good idea because these are raiders. David kills two of them. Harlan Can't stand this, decides to leave. This is all kind of a truncated version of the story, but this is what happens. David takes control of the cutthroats. They become very, very, very violent. And then David and then also Rosalind lead different kinds of raids on the people of Appalachia. They become a thorn in the side of the responders and some of the more humanitarian groups out there. And did I said humanitarian, humanitarian groups? Words are hard, friends, Uh, out out in the wasteland, trying to put things back together. So this leads to the events of Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2082. Rosalind leads a raiding party into Charleston during Christmas because she's hoping to bring back a present for David. Now, the raid was repelled. It was basically put down by responders. Eight responders gave their lives defending Charleston from the Raiders. Twenty four were injured. Those count as casualties, by the way. The word casualty doesn't mean death. It means injuries or, or deaths or basically damage to individuals. Now, of the entire Raider group that Rosalind led into Charleston in order to find David a Christmas present she is the only one who is left. And that's where we get the dialogue you listen to. Because she gets thrown in a jail in the Capitol and is interrogated by Melanie Larkin of the responders. And the responders realize they might be able to stop the cutthroats, especially if they can get David to come out of the top of the world and to be in a more vulnerable place. And in order to do that, they pretend that Rosalind is dead. And David finds out, and he gets the information here. The raiders were destroyed. Rosalind didn't make it, which of course is a lie, because she's sitting in a jail cell. And from here, she writes a note to David, because she has no way of reaching out to him. She doesn't know if they're going to kill her. The note says, and you can find this in the jail cell, on her corpse, it says... Snagged a pen in case I need to stab the guard, but the movies always made it seem easier. That responder pig isn't even checking on me anymore, so what the hell's the point of me being locked up? Merry freaking Christmas. I love that she writes freaking and not another F word to me, I guess. David, I did this all for you. Sorry, I got caught. Didn't mean for it to happen this way. I'll fix this and get out here. In the meantime, don't do anything stupid. I couldn't stand to lose you. Rose. Rose. So, again, we get this confirmation that even though these are terrible people who are not able to empathize with the rest of the world, they still care about each other. And that's important. In fact, David cares about Rosalind so much and is probably triggered from memories of losing his family. That he goes off the deep end. This is what spawns the idea in his mind of getting back at everybody. And what better way to get back at everybody all at once than to blow the dam and let the flood do it? And we've talked about that on previous episodes. This is one of those things that most most of you if you're playing if you've been playing with 76 for a while, you should know about this stuff. But there's still a question here. How and when were Rosalind's memories, and personality and voice implanted into Rose. We're going to talk more about that when we get back from the break. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen anniversary diamond orb gear a bunch of other items it is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code max pool m-a-x-p-o-o-l don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode hello there old chat good to see another of general atomic's finest still eager to serve All right. Here we are in the middle of the show. And this is where I get to thank our patrons for being so freaking awesome. Thank you to all of you. Thank you for supporting the show. And here's to another year of content. Big shout out to all 67 of our current patrons. Thank you so much. We don't have any new ones to shout out this week, but. You're welcome to join us. And uh, also, I have to shout out our Sentry bots, Dylan R. and Larry D. Thank you so much for your support as well. If you are interested in getting ad-free episodes, if you want to go listen through all of them and don't have to worry about the ads, or you want to get things like stickers, T-shirts, join me on future episodes of the show. There's all sorts of wonderful stuff you can get for helping to support me over on Patreon.com slash Fallout Lorecast. And... I have some reviews. It seems that you guys have been busy dropping reviews over the holidays because I've got four of them to read out here. So here, we'll get through this really quick. We have Chris031817 from the United States who writes, Out of this world, Robots puts the best show on for Fallout content. It's great to hear the backstory to a game that I have loved for years. Thank you for the entertainment. Also, they are amazing at responding to questions on Twitter with great advice. Well, you're welcome. I try to I try to respond as much as I can. I, I get a lot of notes from people, but I do my best because it's important to me. So thank you for noticing. Um, then we have the Mad hatta from Canada. That, the last Chris with last one was from the US, if I didn't say that, um, who writes a five star Fallout lore podcast. I got into Fallout through the miniature game Wasteland Warfare. Oh, that's really interesting that you came like that direction into the f- the franchise. That's great. I wanted to grow my knowledge of Fallout so that I could have a better roleplay experience and create interesting stories. I found this podcast and was instantly hooked. Currently on the episode about Vault 21, and I'm learning so much about the world that I can add into my own games. Not only that, but this podcast convinced me to try out the video games, and I'm hooked on Fallout 76. A fantastic podcast with a very knowledgeable host who presents the info in a very entertaining way. That's awesome, Matt. I hope you enjoy playing the game and um, you feel free to reach out to people on our Discord because there's a lot of people who play. Then we've got Nuka Warlord 2077 from the US who writes one of the best podcasts. Dear robots, I love the lore of Fallout, and this helped me explain the lore of Fallout to my friends. I used to listen to Oxhorn, who is a Fallout lore YouTuber. You guys are the best. Yep, absolutely know who I've gotten to chat with, Oxhorn, before. We've even done some uh, some events together. So, yeah, very cool. <laughs> Thank you again, Nuka Warlord. And then we have one more from ShogunBear321 in the U.S., who writes, Bloody awesome, I started listening around a year ago, and this podcast really helped... To understand the lore of Fallout, I first started playing Fallout New Vegas around two years ago, and I was so confused until I found this podcast. Keep up the good work, robots. Well, thanks, Shogun Bear. Keep up the good work with playing through the Fallout games. Um, that's what we got for reviews. If you'd like to leave one on Apple Podcasts with five stars, I will read it out on a future episode of the show. Or you can leave ratings on platforms like Spotify or wherever else you listen. If they have the ability to do that, I would really appreciate it. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show.
0: If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them.
1: So here's the dilemma. This is the thing that puzzles me, because we don't know for sure. We have Rose, who is a, effectively like a backup of Rosalind Jeffries. rosalinds It's as if her mind gets downloaded into Rose somehow. Her memories... Her thoughts, her personality, very, very much so her personality, her voice, all of that. It's like uh, as as much as they could have done at this time in the history of the Fallout universe using the technology that they had, David or Rosalind, somebody decided it was a good idea to back her up. So, okay, but why? For what reason? We don't know. If Rosalind is safe and not likely to be in harm's way, then why do that? Now, shes we do know that she's leading raider groups out into the wasteland, and so she is going into dangerous situations, but it just seems—it seems a little odd to me. I don't think that she's the kind of person who would be cool with this. So did David do it secretly without her knowing somehow? That part I don't quite get. What we do know is that she never leaves the jail cell she's in. We can find her corpse. There's the note on it. So between the time that she gets captured and thrown in a jail cell and the events of the Christmas flood play out the next day. And then by the time you actually find her years later, she never left the cell. If David had gone and actually gotten the opportunity to save her, then she wouldn't be in the cell. Does that make sense? If he went with some sort of device to download her brain or something, wouldn't he have removed her from the cell? And you couldn't have done that to a dead body. So that doesn't make sense. Do you see the dilemma here? When and why was her personality moved into Rose? And I'm not sure that we get an answer for that. So there are a few things that we do know about this situation and how it may have played out. First of all, we know that David was prepared to propose to Rosalind before she was captured. We know that they were at that point in the relationship. So this wasn't just a relationship of convenience at this point. It wasn't one of those situations where David kind of like with his previous wife had started to move on with somebody else. He, in his own way, in his own insanity, loved her and wanted to marry her. And that seemed like where things were going. In fact, that seems like something that Rosalind was into as well, because she was going to find a Christmas present for him, whatever that would be. So we've got that situation going. We know he cares a ton for her. Okay. But we also know that, It was due to mourning what he believed was Rosalind's death that he created the Miss Nanny in her image, named her Rose and set up her personality. But it's a filtered version of the personality because according to what Rose even tells us. Only the fun and upbeat side of, of Rosalind. That's why when you talk with Rose, she's always so positive about everything. We're not actually getting a genuine glimpse at who Rosalind is through Rose. And I think it makes Rose sound more psychotic because she says things like she said in the quote at the beginning where she talks about like, but everybody's dead. Ha <laughs> Yay. You know, like that kind of stuff. And although maybe David and Rosalind were both kind of psychotic and a little bit a little bit whacked in the head. Uh, this is this is a step further, right? It, it definitely changes some things. We're, we also know that he was unable to recover Rosalind's remains. He builds a shrine to her in Ripper Alley. He chooses the location because it's far away. He doesn't want the rest of the Raiders to see him do it. They might think he's turned soft. But he does it in order to give himself a sense of closure about the events that happened and about having lost Rosalind. But all of this time, he never is able to get back to her body. So how is it that Rose is programmed with a voice that's identical i mean i guess you could here let's speculate here he loses Rosalind, and he just from memory creates a computer program to mimic who she is and what she's like so okay yes yeah, so she takes she tells you know off-color jokes or she uh, talks with this kind of accent yeah you could program that stuff into a computer probably right Um, here are a list of all the memories that we share together. You could take the time and you could write, like, diary entries that now get incorporated into a database. Sure, that could happen. But of course they would be David's perspective on those memories, not Rosalind's. So you're still not quite there, but it might be close enough that it fools the regular person into believing that she has those memories. Don't really know, but that kind of works, right? But what about the voice? How did he emulate the voice? Did he have other recordings of her talking possibly and then was able to synthesize a robotic voice around that voice? It seems this it just keeps growing. Right. It seems like the kind of thing that like had she sat in a chair with some sort of fallout sci-fi, you know, upside down strainer thing on top of her head with some electrodes going into a computer and then they download her personality or something. And we've seen it before in other Fallout games, personalities getting transferred from one place to another. In fact, it was a big deal with the Institute and people like Nick. Nick Valentine was a real person. His personality is transferred into a synth. They're not exactly the same person. But there's a an origin and a method for extracting that that was then used and then deposited into Nick. And that technology, I guess at least for the withdrawal of the personality into a computer, existed at the time of the Great War. So that would make sense here in Fallout 76, that maybe that would still exist in its own capacity or some some way David found a machine that could do that. But... He doesn't get to be with her after he realizes that she's dead, or at least he believes that she's dead. So you see this? There's a hole here in how this how this goes about. It's a fun character build. And I'm not saying specifically that the writers messed up. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we don't have all the information. I'm sure this can be explained in some way. Maybe there's an event somewhere where David was cataloging, all of their personalities in order to try to live forever or something like this. Right. But we don't get that. And it's not talked about with David's personality, but when you consider the kind of person he is a non empathetic, willing to do terrible things, kind of CEO mentality where he believes he controls everyone else underneath him, then having the people who work underneath him be able to, work indefinitely underneath him as robots may not be too far-fetched. And maybe that's the way I would explain it. But, like I've noted here, we don't get that information. The other thing that's interesting here is that it it seems like in the lore that the dilemma of losing her is what makes him kind of go off the deep end and build the robot to begin with. So, getting the personality in it Again, it, it the order of operations just doesn't seem to quite fit. What do you guys think about this? I would love to hear your thoughts on how this seems to make sense and how it would lay out. Um, I know I'm not sure that we're ever going to get closure on this concept because it's not a huge detail, but it's one of those things that makes me wonder. So thanks for tuning into this episode. I'm sure we'll get into some more of these intricacies between the events that happen in Fallout 76, both before the war, after the war, and then during the time of the gameplay. There's a lot more to uncover. I'd love to dig back into the Order of Mysteries. Uh what's go what goes on with some of these raider groups between the events of the Flood and then the more recent times. Um the Free States. We can we've talked about the Free States, but I'm sure we can talk more about them. There's a lot of cool stuff to cover still. So thank you for being here. Welcome to 2023 and here's to Another year of contents. I'll see you guys next time. Stay safe out there in the wasteland. Talk to you later. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club where you can join me And a bunch of our other creators Creating your podcast, starting a new podcast Or helping your current podcast grow There's more information about that On robotsradio.net as well And you can always talk with us And the entire community Over 2,000 people On the Robots Radio Discord Come join us, we'd love to chat with you See you guys next time